Welcome to the Sacred Emergence Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Wong, and I'm so thrilled that you're here. This is a place where you'll be guided to living your most aligned life so that your truest, most radiant self can emerge. We'll be jamming on topics ranging from spirituality, entrepreneurship, to wellness and lifestyle design, and everything in between that can support you to grow, evolve, and shine, all the while not taking ourselves too seriously. So if you're ready to step into your leadership, break through limiting beliefs, own all of who you are, and expand in abundance, grab yourself your faith cup of tea, and let's dive in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Sacred Emergence Podcast. It's Michelle Wong here. And today I am so, so excited to introduce you to my dear, dear friend, Jennifer Lucero Earl, who is the creator of Arcana Dance, beautiful black belt Nia teacher. And uh, she joins us by way of California. Hi, Jennifer. Hey, hey. (laughs) I'm so excited you're here. Uh, welcome, welcome. I'm excited to be here and remembering that last year you were here, not right around now, but in the winter. And it's really starting to feel like winter, you know, even here in California. Uh, I'm looking out at a beautiful blue sky, but I was wearing a jacket last night, which does not happen very often here. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That, I remember the last visit, it was cold. <laughs> That didn't stop us from going to the beach. <laughs> no, it did not. It did not. And um, it was so, it's always fun to see you. It's yeah. always fun. Yeah. And the first time I came to visit, I, it was Southern California. I was like, oh my God, beach life. <laughs> yeah. We were fantasizing about you moving here. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. It's so needed in Seattle, gray, rainy, damp, cold weather in February. <laughs> And she has her own beauty too, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You gotta love you gotta love the pine and the green. <laughs> yes. There are many things I miss about Seattle, and you are one of those Aww. not things, but people that I miss. Yay. Yeah, well, I'm excited to dive into um, our conversation. And before we hit record, we were just reminiscing on how we met. And uh, I just wanted to tell everybody. Uh, so Jennifer and I met at a Nia class, um, and this is like back in two thousand, maybe two two thousand nine. It's been almost, it's been ten years, I think. Yes. Yeah, and um, I just remember we were at this dance space, and when you walked into the room, you locked, like you and I locked eyes, and then you smiled at me, and it was just this, just sweet, like. I was like, do I know her? She looks familiar. She is so sweet. And then we started talking after class and I'm like, oh my God, I love your energy. You're like this bubble of joy. Yeah. And then we've been friends ever since. (laughs) It definitely was an instant connection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then since then you got your, uh, your Nia belts. So you teach Nia. Um, And then I actually am now a first degree black belt. Your first degree. Yes, I I did my first degree black belt last year. I think I probably have to update you know, all of my materials with that, but that's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. That's, um, it's an incredible like journey with just doing each of the belts and Nia's. So it's, you know, it's, it's own training itself. So I totally respect that whole process. Yeah. And each training just gets deeper and more profound. I've loved every single one. And the next one up is second degree black 
belt. Not sure when that will happen for me, but it is definitely on my radar. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. And then you also have this deep knowledge and wisdom of tarot. And, um, and through that you created your own type, your own dance with arcana dance. Yes. Yes. It's it's just like Nia, it's a fusion practice, although they're entirely different and, you know, I'll go, we'll go a little bit more into that in a bit, but I'm really grateful that you've had a chance to experience both. You know, Mm -hmm. we, we met in a Nia class and you've also, um, been to a number of Arcana dance classes and workshops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, it's so interesting how, um, with Tarot and just like, I love how you pull in the piece of the embodiment of it, of through movement, yeah. because that's, I feel like that's, I mean, we can linearly rationalize Tarot and all that, but I, it comes to life when we move into our bodies with it. So, yes. yeah. That was, that is my goal (laughs) or my, my great charge in life is to, to bring, um, bring the world or whoever's open to it and experience of tarot through, through the language of the body. Mm, I love that. Mm. Yeah. And I have to say like, um, I don't know if I ever told you, but like my, cause I had such a, like, um, my own background, my own upbringing was pretty religious. I grew up Catholic. And so like the idea of working with cards and using that as like a way to make decisions, like when I first heard of it, I was like, that is so weird, you know? (laughs) And so when I learned that you did Tarot, at first I was like, really? And it was, I mean, you were really awesome. And I was like, but I don't know if I'm open to Tarot. And then the more I got to know you, I was like, I want to learn more about Tarot. (laughs) So you inspired (laughs) me to be open to it. I appreciate that. And you had shared that with me and a number of people have, and I know every, you know, this of all the people that you've met through your life, everybody approaches tarot differently. Um, And for me, I I actually fully believe in, in free will and self-determination. And you know that, like, that's Mm -hmm. something that's one of my core values. And so while a lot of people use tarot for divination, I feel like it's an essential, it's been an essential tool for me anyway, for um, self-revelation, self-inquiry, to explore my options, to go deeper with a topic, to get a different perspective, to influence my decision-making, but by no means do I allow the cards to make a decision for me. Mm. or dictate, you know, what um, an outcome um, will definitively be. I think that I can influence that through my own actions and intentions. And I just love having, it's like a good friend reflecting back something to you with great love and honesty and sometimes like a little bit too much straightforwardness. (laughs) You know, Um, I kind of look at it as a relationship, you know, in that way. And um, I really appreciate that you trusted me Um, And you trusted our friendship and you were receptive to the experience. So Mm -hmm. I'm really grateful for that. And yet I also know that everybody approaches tarot reading and working with tarot as a tool from, from, from different angles. Yeah. And you're, you offer a very beautiful, safe way. Um, That's very inviting, right? Like I remember when we, when I had my reading with you, like I think the death card came up but it was yeah. such a happy, it was such a happy card. Like I got it. You know, it's like things are shifting. Like it's a good yeah. death. Yeah. <laughs> I so love that you mentioned that. Cause I, I'm going to just show you something that's sitting on my altar right now. So I've been working with, uh, of course, you know, I'm always working with a new deck. I have 
way too many decks to, I, I think I lost count after 500, <laughs> but um, I've been recently working with um, a deck. It's actually called the Sacred Sacred Creators Oracle. It's one of Chris mm-hmm. Ann Donnelly's new decks. And I actually have the death card and it's uh, in this deck, it's an Oracle deck, but the first 22 cards are reflective of the tarot major arcana and the rest are Oracle cards. But it's, it's, she reframed death as successive transformation. Ooh, I love it. And I have been sitting with this card since my birthday. And so mm. it's been um, a little bit over a month that I've been uh, sitting with this card on my, uh, my altar here and exploring a whole new process around um, introducing death as an archetype. You know, I, I've, I've done it as a workshop and when I lived in Seattle and as a whole day retreat at a church um, in Ballard. And this reframed death for me. So not only did we have an experience in your reading and it, you know, shed light on some personal transformation you were going through. For me, this is the magic of tarot. I can see something completely differently. Same archetype, same card, but just the shifting of the language to successive transformation just opened up a whole world of possibility on how can I view or take charge of my own transformation. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I've been playing with that. I've been journaling with this question every day, like how can I guide my own transformation in a successive way that it doesn't necessarily have to be a complete ending of something and a brand new beginning, but can I, can I kind of going through a spiral? Mm. Can I unfold? Can I guide my unfolding? And so I've been thinking about that and of course dancing with it too. I love in it. some awkward ways, but I'm doing it. <laughs> I love it. That is so good. Yeah. Well, can you share how you got into Tarot? I can. I, and so I was thinking about this. I'm like, should I call my mother first and ask her for permission? <laughs> so I'm hoping that, you know, this recording doesn't get back to her. Well, so I have shared this in every workshop and I know she's so private, but, and of course, you know, I love her to pieces for that. But um, I actually was introduced to tarot through my family, through my mom. Um, and a, uh, well, I'll call my, a woman who was like my godmother, um, was a reader in our family. And the first time I became aware of her, I met her before, but I became aware of her around the age of two. And so of course I knew her at birth, but my awareness, I mean, my first memories of her rather are from when I was two and watching her read cards. And I, I was so fascinated with the images and her um, storytelling um, and how animated she got when she read. And I was obsessive. I always wanted to go visit her and touch her cards. Mm. Like I always wanted to do that. And so I got my first deck of cards. So I, tarot cards have been in my life since, since I think I became conscious of being, you know, alive, you know, and in the world. Um, but my first deck um, came to me when I was 11. Mm. And um, I started reading actively around that time. I cannot say publicly that I read well. I was 11. <laughs> Let's be clear. That's incredible. The <laughs> fact that you were working with cards at age 11, that's really incredible. And I, they were, I was pretty, um, I want to say both reserved and shy. And 
I had a relationship with these cards that I didn't know at the time. There wasn't real language around being a kinesthetic learner. I didn't learn about being a kinesthetic learner until I went to college. But there was something about working with these cards. Like I intuitively knew, you know, what stories they were sharing and how they related to my experience. Um, so when I when I first started working with them at around 11, it was more around like kind of like a memory game, like story, using it for storytelling and kind of matching up. Well, if I match up these cards, then this is the story I'm going through right now. So they were perfectly relatable um, to me as an 11 year old. And then I started playing with, well, you know, like, can I ask it questions and get an answer about, you know, am I going to pass my math test? <laughs> Or, you know, does this boy like me? Or is my friend lying to me? Like all the things you think about, you know, you go through is the important stuff. (laughs) You know, it's so funny how questions, so questioning is everything in tarot. My questions have evolved from being so simplistic and like one-sided and or dualistic to being much more like, how can I go deeper with a topic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, so I started working with them when I was 11 and just evolved. It, it has been the most consistent um, aspect of my life. You know, there are things that have come and gone, um, you know, things that I have been introduced to that I've become interested in. But tarot has been there. I mean, since I was two, I mean, it has been the thread that mm. has been with me. And I didn't integrate it into my everyday life until 2014. I mean, it was always there. Mm -hmm. I always read for people, but it was like siloed off from, well, I have a day job, you know, and then I have this other world Mm -hmm. that I'm a part of, or that is an integral part of me. So for a long time, I wasn't even honoring, you know, how important this practice has been for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it took, it really took leaving my day job Um, which was really important to me, but it took me leaving it to really allow this part of my life that was so natural to me to take the lead. And I had no idea that, you know, Arcana dance is an evolution of, you know, what was what used to be called the embodied tarot, which was something I created in 2003 in grad school when I realized I was a somatic learner. Mm. And I understood that my relationship with tarot was never about memorizing what the cards mean. Um, It was always about being in a dynamic relationship with an image, letting it talk to the primal part of my brain, knowing that whenever I saw an image, I had a physical, emotional response. Every, every emotion has some physical sensation, but I wasn't aware of that until I was in grad school. You know, when, when my whole program was designed around somatic learning. And so, you know, I think that I love how many people are becoming interested in tarot cards now. They're everywhere. I mean, you know, my local bookstore, Barnes and Noble, I saw, I went down to the beach one day and there was a woman holding her, you know, her wild unknown tarot deck. No way. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And I'm so excited to see the interest in it. And yet, of course, there's that like the mama bear part of me that's like, it's so much more than divination. Yeah. It's like the the most incredible tool for self-understanding. Yeah, you know, and self-determination. And so, you know, I hope that that answers the question, but it has been with me since I was a child. Mm. And in my formative years, I think about being 11 and how much, you know, my identity was centered around. I, I brought tarot cards to school in my school bag. And, you know, That's I was awesome. reading poorly for friends. And <laughs> 
<laughs> and I loved it. And it was, I never had a moment where I thought this is not what I'm supposed to be doing, mm. you know, until it never occurred to me though, that it could be like a job, you know, mm-hmm. or, or a livelihood, not a job, but like a right, livelihood, right. even though that's clearly what my godmother was doing. So, <laughs> but again, did not register. Right, right. <laughs> so. Do you remember your first deck? Like what, what, what it was? Yes. My first deck was the Mother Piece um, by Vicki Noble, and it's a round deck. Um, mm. There are two. There are two round decks that I got as a young woman uh, or a young girl. I'm call myself a young woman, eleven-ish. Um, Daughters of the Moon and Mother Piece were both round decks, and they were really grounded in feminism. Wow, that's and that's awesome. and um, kind of understanding uh, the role of the feminine and the goddesses, um, and they were multicultural. Mm, that is so at least important. and visually yeah um, and now there's a whole conversation going around cultural appropriation in them now but that wasn't happening at the time and I'm grateful for those decks because there were women that looked like me yeah in them or, or you know as a little girl like oh my yeah. gosh the magazines didn't reflect me the television didn't but these cards did and the only thing horrifying about them especially for my mama was that there were a lot of nude women in them because oh, okay. you know they, but you know she was fine and clearly I was fine um but I love the representation of seeing these warrior women still the same archetypes so Mm -hmm. I was never introduced to a traditional deck however my godmother used a traditional Spanish the Spanish tarot a traditional deck not only the first 22 cards were illustrated the remaining 56 were not oh I didn't know that and I was still like I could still see by by geometry by design what those sticks meant flying all over the place, what those fears um, evoked in me. I still got a story from them, but it was the, when I opened my first deck and it was all 78 cards were illustrated. I mean, I basically just, I don't think I left my room <laughs> for days. No, I'm sure I did, but I didn't want to. <laughs> I was just completely immersed in these stories, mm. each one like always finding something new. Um, and then from there, you know, I, I did get a couple of traditional decks later on, I think maybe at 13 and 14, but those were the, those were the ones that really spoke to me at the time. And I loved that they were round. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you hardly see round ones. So the fact that those are your first decks, like, that's yeah. so cool. It was. And I, somewhere, somewhere in storage, I have a picture of like when I, so I used to take the cards that I chose like in a, at 11 and 12. And I had this, um, I can only call it like a basket hanging on my wall above my bed. And every time I pick a card, I'd like put the card in the basket and it would stay there for, you know, the, a couple of days. And somewhere I have a picture of that. If I get it, get one, I will send it to you. Yeah, if I can find do. it, I will send it to you. Please so you can do. see how that I had a red wall. And a red brick wall and the cards just stood out against this red brick wall. Oh, that is awesome. Wow. I love how just like integrated it was in part of your life. Yeah. And that's um, part, but I do want to say that's part of one thing about tarot that I, how I use it is through ritual and, and I grew up rooted in ritual. So it made sense to me to take the image and, and have it visible um, and to kind of look at it as an anchor, as a reminder of, okay, remember this is an opportunity today, mm-hmm. you know, or this is something that, you know, I can uh, tap into 
using different language, obviously, and that's, the, that's my language now. I don't remember what I was thinking when I was 11 or 12. I just knew that I want to be that on the wall. <laughs> you know, that's, that's where my head was. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to say like for, cause you said, um, you learn by kinest, kin, you're a kinesthetic learner. And so that, it makes so much sense. Cause I remember like, um, I would pull a card, I'd be at your place or, uh, it'll be through a reading. And then you're like, Oh, what is this card? Like you're trying to like have me like, kind of interpret the card. I'm like, uh, well, it says, <laughs> it says this and this. And you're like, well, look at the image. I'm like, okay. And like, you got it. And I'm just trying to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> so I just like, it makes so much sense. Cause like you get this download and it's like, when you say it, I'm like, oh yeah, it makes so much sense the way that you talk about it. Yeah. Well, so think about like human beings are, we're so, we're visual. Most of us are visual. I mean, we're all visual. We it's are. Like, you know, we have our visual sense intact, um, but we're also wired for story. Mm-hmm. And so when, you know, like you, when we first met and we connected through a smile, there was a story there of, oh, there's joy, there's warmth, there's connection, maybe there's a friendship. So the story is, is automatic. It starts to unfold. And it's no different. I think with looking at a card, you know, I think the the challenge is you can't unsee the word that's on it. Right. You know, that's, that's a challenge. I, I can say, well, don't pay attention. Don't look at the word. Don't pay attention to it. And yet I know you can't unsee it. Right. I know that. Um, but it's just about, um, allowing the word to drift off into the background and see what else you can tease out of the image. You know, what can it invite in for you? And I I really don't believe it. I never want to take someone's, um, Oh gosh, self-discovery away from them. So it's like one of my hard rules at my workshops, like don't ever tell anyone what a card means. Like until like you have the experience, until you have your first, um, your first relationship with it, your first, your own self-generated definition of it or definition or understanding of it, then we can talk about, you know, what it, what it means um, or what it has meant historically. Mm-hmm. But it's like, don't, robbing someone of their self-discovery is just one of my, it's on my pet peeve list. <laughs> I thank you for saying that because like, there'll be a lot of people who just want to shove their wisdom and it's like, wait, <laughs> and then it discounts your own because if yeah. they're like the expert, you know? So I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you something around, uh, tarot. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many questions. (laughs) Well, can I take, can I tell you what arcana dance means? Yeah. Yes, please. So, cause I get this question all the time. So arcana comes the word arcana means secret. Although, you know, I took the word arcana, not because I love the words, you know, I love the meaning secret, but arcana is embedded in the tarot. There's the major arcana and the minor arcana for those who don't know. The major arcana are the 22 major cards or uh, major archetypes, I call them. And then the remaining cards, they're not minor as in minor, uh, like not significant, but more that um, they're they're more snippets of detailed moments in time, you know, than the big things that shift our lives, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the big things like, you know, um, grief, um, joy, or 
like a search for wholeness, um, our visionary capacity, the, the archetypes related to mother, father, spiritual teacher, patriarchy, you know, all of those things. Yeah. Um, so the minor cards are not insignificant at all. They're actually, to me, the most relatable. I think know, it's like day the, to day. Yeah, I see it as like a fine tunement, right? Like yes. it's more of the details. So the word arcana, I, I actually wanted to, I didn't want the word like tarot dance. I wanted something that could go beyond tarot because there mm -hmm. I work with other archetypes, but the ones that have been defining for me have come from my work with tarot, mm -hmm. or my relationship rather, not my work. My, it's, no, it is definitely a reciprocal relationship. I don't right. work at the tarot. It works me too. Um, so arcana dance means a secret that is revealed through movement to music because dance is defined as movement to music. So mm -hmm. arcana dance is um, a secret that is revealed to you um, through a process that includes movement to music. And, um, and that is something that I have found with anyone who's experienced arcana dance, there's only something that is revealed to you, that is unique to you, that is based on the card that you choose and your relationship with that archetype in that moment. Mm. And, and it's like a fingerprint, you know, and, mm. and every time it's a different one. And so and that's what I found for myself. And I loved the word. It's one word, arcana dance. That's what it is. Um, and it does not require performance or dance experience or anything like that. I am not a dancer. I love to move. <laughs> I don't identify as a dancer. And I'm taking an African dance class right now. And my teacher can testify to that. <laughs> oh, I think I lost your audio. Oh, there you go. You You're back. Me? You're okay, back. Great. I can hear you now. Okay, yes. good. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, I love that you're still taking the, the dance class because in February when I came to visit, you were doing it. Yeah, I had just started and I love it and I want to keep going and oh, it fills me up. Most times I have to, I love to teach, you know that. And, but it, it does require, like I have to keep count. You know, I have to give verbal instruction and, you know, really accentuate <laughs> movement. Mm -hmm. And when I receive, when I can just be a student, especially of a different modality, I can be silly. I can be in like in, in the state of a learner um, and I can have two left feet, which I <laughs> definitely have in this class sometimes, you know, and so, and, and I love it because it reminds me of, you know, it, it humbles me. It reminds me that, you know, as, as even when I know choreography or, you know, when I'm really certain of a movement, it takes time for an individual to learn those moves. Right. And, and right. it takes what it takes. And the moment that I get it, it's a huge celebration. Right. So. Oh, so good. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually really awesome that as a, um, a teacher of movement, you also are a student, right? Yeah. yeah. So I remember the question I wanted to ask regarding yes. the tarot. Um, when you get a new deck, like how do you, do you read the booklet that it comes? Like how is your, how do you introduce, like how do you integrate a new deck? I, so, so I, I apologize in advance, whoever hears this, I throw the book away. <laughs> I don't want to see it. I just don't. I mean, there, I will. So I have, I have the books for, for all of the decks. When I say I throw them away, I do not want them to interfere. Mm. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you my process. And then when I invite the books and um, so I know that I am easily um, influenced by 
um, by words, you know, and, and so I know I can trust my body first. I can trust, you know, my emotional response first, but I don't want to second guess myself. And oftentimes the booklets do that. So I want to be in relationship with the cards. So it, it is a rare moment when I get a deck and I don't open it immediately. Mm-hmm. Just notorious for I'm just going to rip it open. And, you know, um, the first thing that I do, I actually don't look at every image first. The first thing I do is I pick a card blindly, you know, I shuffle the deck and I ask it, what can I learn from you? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what opportunity or um, do I have to learn from you? And that whatever card I pick, that's the one that I spend um, my first journaling experience with. I might move with it, um, might find the right song to move with it. And then I will look at the rest of the deck. Um, and, you know, that one question, depending on what card comes up, I might have more questions. Mm. Um, and when I introduce the book, it's not until I've worked with a deck for at least a couple of months. Like I really have to have um, at least half of the deck gone through, you know, where I've had my own um, somatic experience with it. Mm-hmm. And then I love looking at the book because I get to read about the artist, you know, or like if there is a different artist and sometimes the writer is different from the artist, um, what inspired the deck and then what the different symbolism might be that I'm not familiar with. Like mm-hmm. there's so many decks now that are novelty. You know, they're, they're, you know, anime or, you know, herbs, flowers, dogs, cats. (laughs) There's like really a deck. Panda bears. There's a deck for everything, truly. And with that, it's not like some of it has really steered away from the, when I say the the traditional, you know, template. Um, But it really has just, it's evolved Mm -hmm. as we've evolved culturally. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I, there are some things that I just don't um, have a relationship with for, for whatever reason. And I need to look at the book to say, what is the symbol? I've never seen it before. Or what does this object or this animal mean to you? The plants, I mean, I grew up like the opposite of nature. I grew up in the concrete jungle of the Bronx. And so plants, not my thing but I am learning how to be in relationship with them and how to match up my experience of the archetype with this new level of understanding, um, learning about plants and herbs and trees and other things in the natural world that, you know, I'm not familiar with. Mm. So, you know, I, so I introduce the book only when I've had time, mm-hmm. you know, time with, um, with the deck. So then if you pull out a card after you looked, after you, like after that whole process mm-hmm. um, and you pull out a card, do you still use your own wisdom? Like, I think so after I just said that, <laughs> <laughs> or do you like think about the book as well? Like what, like what comes through after I, you mean after I've incorporated the book or, yeah. um, yeah. you know, that's a really interesting question. So I will always trust myself first, mm-hmm. but I love to learn. So if I can add on to it, then referring to the, I, it's funny, I only refer to the book when I feel like I'm either getting in my own way, which mm. happens, you know, that's human nature, um, or when I'm in denial about something, like, you know, I can't remember what was recently, you know, I got the seven of swords about something, and, you know, and, and part of that archetype is around ways that we trick ourselves 
you know, with where get really being fixated on a perspective um, or not being willing to see that there's an illusion happening, mm. you know, and it's I'm perpetuating it in some way. And I didn't like that. So um, I actually forced myself to look at what was written in the book to see if I could get a different response. <laughs> Good for you. So, but I didn't get a different oh. <laughs> But what ended up happening that was the language though gave me some new language to journal with. Mm. Like I okay, so instead of using these these words that are so powerful, words are really powerful. Mm. So instead of using these words, are there some other words that I can incorporate? And I can't remember what 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 um specific sentence it was, but there was something in um, the book about, you know, in the Seven of Swords as an opportunity to shift my um, stubborn thinking about something ah. <laughs> or some, something along those lines. Yeah. And I said, okay, first of all, thank you for calling out the stubborn part. So not appreciated. <laughs> um, but secondly, opportunity was a really good word. Mm. And there were some other things in there, but you know, I, I have to cultivate a practice of openness. If I, if I don't do that, then it, the working with the tarot stops being multidimensional. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that a lot of these books that have, you know, prescribed meanings for the cards, they're, they're really helpful as when you're beginning your learning process, but it's, the whole point is that it's the beginning of the learning process and it should evolve. It should evolve to include your own vocabulary, mm -hmm. you know, your own lived experience, you know, and there are so many great, you know, tarot teachers, you know, our elders that, that invite us to do that. Um, and so I'm really hoping that, you know, whoever listens to this and is curious about tarot, like know that, yes, of course you can get a book and, and, but use it as a, like a, as a launching pad. You know, mm. use it for, you know, to create a foundation, but then make it your own. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say. I love that perspective. Cause yeah, it's like we, we can have our own experience and our own viewpoint with a card, right? It doesn't have to be, well, this is what it says. So what I thought was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any favorite decks? So many. <laughs> oh my God, where do we begin? Okay. So I will say that my all time favorite deck and, and I, it's one that I actually have five copies. Of oh it. my, that is a favorite. All right. <laughs> it, it is. And, and, and it for a good reason. So it, it's the guy in tarot and it's Joanna Powell Colbert's mm. um, deck. And, um, and it was meaningful to me when I, when I discovered it, I think it was, it may, it was a 2012 or 2013 and not that long ago. Um, but it was the first time I saw a deck that had people that looked like me in it. Mm. You know, she has, she created this beautiful deck that's incredibly diverse, like with ecology, with, um, with people, um, generations. And it was the first time that I saw women that looked like me or people and people of color, mm -hmm. but they weren't um, depicted as like mythological beings. So my first decks, Daughters of the Moon and um, Mother Peace had women that looked like me, but they were like mythological beings. You know, mm -hmm. they were goddesses, you know, they were, um, they were reflective of a specific culture, you know, at, at a certain point in time in history. Joanna had pictures of everyday people mm. in modern times, you know, and 
I cried like the first time. And the first card I chose was the three of fire, which shows this woman's beautiful full body, you know, tan woman, you know, like floating on air with these little sparks of fire and she's dancing. That was the first card I got in, in our deck and fell in love with it. And I, in the first year that I started working this, with this deck, I bought three copies. <laughs> it was the Llewellyn version and then went out of print and then it was republished. And then I also got one of her special edition ones. It's, it's absolutely insane. <laughs> and I have no regrets. It's, it's mm -hmm. a deck that um, I bring at least two copies to every workshop. You know, it's, it's, it's so accessible and so beautiful in imagery and, and rich in its story, like visual storytelling. And so it's my absolute favorite one um, of all time. I have multiple favorites right now. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many incredible artists um, that are producing decks not all of them through major publishers. I mean, right. some of the most beautiful decks that I found, the most powerful ones that I found for me to work with are by independent, independently produced mm -hmm. um, through Kickstarters or, you know, I, you know, Instagram is a great place to find totally. you know, independent yeah. artists. And so, but I would say that one um, really has been, like I said, I have, I keep a copy in my car of the guy in, I have it mm -hmm. on my phone through the app and you know, it's just the one that it grounds me. Oh, that's it really so does. cool. Yeah. So, yeah. And I could go on and on about like a, like 30 of them right now. <sighs> I mean, I, I love, I love visiting you because I know we're going to pull cards. That's yeah. like the one for sure thing. And then I just love looking at like all of your decks. It's like, okay, good night. And then <laughs> you have your bookcases filled with them. Like, which one do I want to look at tonight? I, I do have to mention one more because it's, it's been, I will, I, I can probably, can I curse just a little bit? You can absolutely okay. curse. So there is one deck that has kicked my ass the past few years. Um, and it's called The Next World the Next Tarot World. by Christy Road. And she is, um, I believe she's a Chicana artist, uh, punk rocker. She's part of the LGBTQ community. She is incredible, but she creates, she basically transformed these archetypes to be um, representative of different areas around social justice. Mm. And it's this deck speaks to me because I, I really care. I care a lot about humanity, and mm -hmm. and I don't know what part. I always ask myself, what part can I play mm -hmm. in in making any difference at all? Or you know, it's a question I'm always asking myself. But what her deck did for me was help me um, connect with um, kind of my, my. There are two lineages I identify with: being grow, growing up in a very urban you know, environment and almost all of the cards are like this kind of gritty, like New York style mm -hmm. imagery, which is not for everyone. And I love it because it feels like home, mm -hmm. you know, graffiti mm -hmm. feels like home, you know, like things that look like a mess feel like home, <laughs> you know, that feels good to me. I'm like, I can relate to this. But yeah. when I look at a deck that's like all trees and all nature, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want to walk there in the dark. What if there's a bear? <laughs> so you know, they're, this is what's happening in my consciousness. So I yeah. love this deck. And the other thing she's incorporated are images of um, like really uh, strong imagery around poverty, mm. um, around um, 
identity with like her indigenous backgrounds. You know, she's got the Puerto Rican flag and the several cards with And one of them is like a woman holding the Puerto Rican flag that looks just like my grandmother. Mm. And so what she has done for me and then how it's kicked my ass has been, um, it has allowed me to look at kind of the archetypal experience of my life and have the visual to go along with it. You know, like I can map out different parts of my life, you know, you know, being a daughter of immigrants and, you know, growing up in the Bronx and, you know, being um, shaped by poverty and by inequality, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and understand that it's, it's included in this tarot journey that the tarot, the tarot cards used to be an escape for me. And what she did for me with her deck is help me understand that it was never an escape now that I have this deck, it helps me see where the archetypes were relevant mm. and reflective of my life, you know? And so um, I love it. And it's also one I have three copies of. So I just yeah. love how, like, you seriously live out the tarot. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you truly, it's like, it is a part of you. And you, the way that you work with it is so beautiful. They're my yeah. friends. <laughs> I love my it. my family. Yeah. It's like they're kindred spirits. <laughs> yeah. They really are. Like, I think about it. I have, it, think about the variation, 78 cards with multiple, you know, meanings. Like you can always think, okay, there's at least one archetype for every card, at least. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's the light side or when I say the dark side, like everything has like a shadow side. Sure. Um, I think about when I ask a question, I can get at least like 150 different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Like, and that just takes me out of any linear thinking that I may get fall into a trap of. And so I, that's why I'm so grateful for them. Do you ever like pick a card and be like, what? This does not make any sense. Oh, yeah. And then you pick another one? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, yes, yes. And, and I sometimes pick another one, even if it doesn't make sense. Sometimes I just don't like it. Yeah. There are two things that, well, there are multiple things that can happen. Sometimes I can pick a card and like, this doesn't, um, I'm not, I don't relate to this right now. Right. Um, but I will never put it back. If I, if I don't relate to it, I won't put it back. I'll set it aside and then I'll pick another one until I reach one that makes sense to me in that moment. And then I'll keep going back to the other ones if there were more than one, like the other one or, or two or three, however many there are. And I'll keep going back until it makes, it, not that it makes sense, but until there's an understanding of, oh, what is the message that you have for me? I feel like it's kind of like um, when I teach, I want to connect with everyone in the room. And if that connection doesn't happen immediately, then I'm always looking for an opportunity to connect. And I feel like I want to do that with the cards too. Like I don't want to dismiss it, it, the message may not be relevant right now, um, or, I, or I can't see it where I am in my consciousness right now, but can I, can I invite in some message? Mm-hmm. Can it bubble up naturally? And that requires me to look at it. I can't just think about it. There's something visually that I need to connect with. Um, now, that's different from picking a card that I don't like which happened. <laughs> and that one I will put back with a quickness <laughs> and pick another one. 
but I can't unsee it. The thing yeah. is like, just like we were talking about, like you, you see the word death on the yeah. death card. You can't unsee that. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I know I can't unsee it. So I'm going through the rest of the deck, tricking myself, you know, <laughs> psyching myself out. And it is the funniest thing is I will this. I have friends who can attest to this, who've been present for this, where I said, all right, I'm going to choose another card and the same card comes up no, and I put it back and I decide God. to pick another deck and it comes out in that deck too. So that's, that's when it gets really uh, offensive. <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny. I love it. <laughs> and, but then at that point, two things can happen. Either I um, call up the worst parts of me that can be a little bratty and stubborn sure, and say, you know what? I don't have time for that today. I have free will. You don't exist. Yes, I can go there. I absolutely go there sometimes. Or I can say, okay, what do I need to do to ground myself to look at this and, and look at this and be, you know, ruthlessly honest with myself mm -hmm. about what this is telling me? Because it's always, I don't have that response to a joyful card. It's usually one that, um, triggers something and yeah you know yeah. and that's not pleasant um and so i need to prepare myself you know in some way to to address it and if i'm not ready to address it then i'm just going to be snarky about it i love and that's it. I not love that's not going snark. to help me yeah but i love it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i have had like one-sided conversations with the card like no you're not going to go there with me today <laughs> no you put that thing away <laughs> so funny so funny yeah do you um one quick question and then we need to wrap up yeah. um do you like if you pull a, like how long do you work with a certain card like do you have it for the day or the week or the month like what's your timeline it depends on what it is so i pick a card every day um and if like this one the example of showing you the successive transformation yeah. one um it's been there since october 7th Okay. I am not ready to stop working with it. And, and it's one of those cards that I now have a whole playlist around that I've been moving with, um, that I have a whole journal devoted to and on my laptop, like a whole pages, you know, file about that doesn't happen every day with every card. And it's an organic process for me. Um, it just, it wasn't just that I chose it on my birthday. There was something that happened when I looked at the words. It wasn't even an image because it's just the words on there. Mm -hmm. When I looked at the words, I just knew that I needed to be in relationship with it. So I choose a card. I'll show you my card of the day. My card of the day is this beautiful image from the Muse Tarot. And so for so I understand that if this is a podcast, you're like, what are you showing? <laughs> so... So this is the Muse Tarot is by Chris, another deck by Chris Ann Donnelly. And it's the Queen of Materials, who is the equivalent of the Queen of Pentacles. And this is a gorgeous, you know, so gorgeous. tan skinned woman she's with roses sass. in her hair. Yes. <laughs> she just looks so fabulous, right? Um, she's, oh my gosh, I no just noticed we're both wearing turquoise today. Perfect. <laughs> with big red earrings, which I... And notorious for wearing every day, but she represents, in, for me, the queen of materials. Um, when I chose her, it, I have been getting the queen of pentacles pretty regularly over the past couple of months, and that's she's the equivalent of that. And that, to me, is speaking to spending time taking care of 
my body and connecting with the aesthetic of beauty, you mm -hmm. know, and because she is adorned. She adores herself and she's adorned. But more than anything, she exudes a level of confidence about how she shows up in the world, you know, mm. whatever, whatever her craft is. Um, and I look at her and I see just this craft that is beauty. Mm. Um, and I have been doing a lot of program development. And so having her on my altar, you know, has or today and however she's shown up in other cards, it motivates me to keep creating, keep working, like get the confidence in my craft comes from doing it. Oh, so and good. So, um, so the answer, the short answer to your question is it's not um, predictable. Sometimes there's a card that I will want to layer with, with movement, with music, with um, more journaling, um, with other cards. And then there are some cards that are just a thank you. You know, I needed, I needed this message today, or I can take this as an inquiry into my day uh, and then I'm done with it and I'm ready to pick something the next day. But then there are others and I can never predict what they are that have like a, there's a feeling that comes mm. with it. I saw the word success of transformation and everything stopped. And I said, mm. I need to spend time with this. Um, I need to, this is one I need to dance with. Um, and it's often, often the things that I need to dance with are the things that I have some sort of, I don't want to say block or maybe like a challenge around going deep with it in just my, I can go down a rabbit hole in my own mind and the rabbit hole ends up pretty much in the same place. But if I add movement, I know I'm going to get a different experience. And so that's what like successive transformation, complete reframing of death for me. Mm. Um, and so that's what I'm working with now. And I don't know what the next one will be. And they almost always influence the workshops I do. You know this. I have not gone in order. Like my first workshop was not the fool. It was the high priestess, you know. And then and, and after that, I think it was either the star or the emperor. I mean, it really just, it's what comes up. And I, I will it. never, ever teach a workshop without doing, like, I will have the experience myself first. I love that. Um, so. Mm, so good. And that's just a perfect segue into um, how can people learn more about oh. you? <laughs> yeah. I have this, I have a website. It's a very long name. It's jenniferluceroearl.com. Earl has an E at the end. I will share that for sure. <laughs> yes. And um, right now, you know, I, you know, I live in Southern California, but I, Seattle was where Arcana Dance was born. And so I come back to Seattle. I mean, I went back like eight times last year. And this, I think this year I was back four times. And I'm already planning to be back in Seattle, um, February and March. I'll send out the dates soon, as soon as they're confirmed. But I've also been introducing Arcana Dance across the country in different, usually connected with NIA communities. Mm. Um, and so, cause it's been kind of my, it's such an amazing community and supportive community. So I've introduced Arcana Dance in Baltimore, Charlottesville. I know Yay. you had Susan Tate mm -hmm. on, um, in New York. And I just want to keep 
keep sharing it in New Mexico and in Santa Fe. And so I want to keep doing that to keep sharing it. And I'm much more of an in-person person. I, I, there's something about Arcana Dance that has to be experienced live. And yet I also am working on an online course on dancing with the devil. And it's taken Ooh. me a long time to pull it together because it's all shadow dancing. Mm. Um, and it's relating to the devil through the body. You know, not not through these. I mean, I've, there's so many people doing work around the shadow right now, which is relevant because it's it's the world we live in. Mm -hmm. We're faced with it every day, and I appreciate so many people that are approaching the shadow from like the 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 words that they're using. Like, there's you know, gosh, I forget. There's the patriarchy. There's mm -hmm. the you know the temptress. The <laughs> like, there are all these words I can't even remember all the victim. And I think those are those are irrelevant words, and I just want to kind of strip away the the uh, identifiers and just go right to the body. Mm. You know what happens when we experience the shadow? You know, we con we constrict, we contract. You know, mm -hmm. or or we lose control or sensation. You know, with we we get out of alignment. You mm -hmm. know, out of contact with ourselves. And so, I've been working on that. And um, you know that I have been bashful about doing online work and so this is something that i will be sharing in 2020 Yay. but people can find me online i do workshops everywhere um, and i do readings through zoom through video and in person when possible um and i you know that's that's my heart i will always no matter how where arcana dance takes me or where my nia career takes me i will always do readings and yours, you are in high demand. So if anybody <laughs> wants a reading with Jennifer, get it on your calendar. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it, that is true. I, yeah, I, mean, I feel so like, so embarrassed saying that, but it is actually true. I you get, are booked my out. Calendar gets booked, right? <laughs> get a reach out soon. So. Well, amazing. And then you're also on social media, so I'll share those links too. Yeah, I have a one Instagram page and two Facebook pages. <laughs> I'm yeah, so, I have the same thing. I've got to get better at the social media thing at out my game, but it just it is like a vortex. I get sucked into it and uh, yeah, takes away from my the time that I spend creating and creating is what I love. Totally. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer, for sharing your time and your wisdom. I just love how you um, how you work with Tarot. It's so unique, and so I'm so happy that my community gets to learn from you. I am too, and I can't wait to meet you all. Yeah. <laughs> like broad community yeah please like if you love this episode take a screenshot of it share it and then tag us yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks so much jen bye. bye join our free private facebook group community sacred emergence to receive more connection guidance and support and take part in our five-day inner confidence challenge to not only boost your confidence, but to help activate your inner leadership. Details in the show notes. Thank you for listening to the Sacred Emergence Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And thank you in advance for sharing this with others who can benefit. Until next time.